Welcome to Tasso Tech Talks. I'm Ben Greenstone, the Managing Director of Tasso Advisory. On this podcast, your hosts, me and my brilliant Tasso Advisory colleagues, will discuss all things policy and politics with our expert guests. We'll go in-depth on the big issues for tech companies, exploring what might happen and what it all means. Across the world, politicians, policymakers and regulators are increasingly focused on technology and the companies behind it. This poses a major risk to tech companies' reputations, their ability to operate and their profitability. It also offers opportunity to shape the environment in a way that works for them and their business and to be known for what they do well. As they say in DC, if you aren't at the table, you're on the menu. Welcome to the latest episode of the Tasso Tech Talks podcast. I'm your host, Mia Bartoloni, Policy Manager at Tasso Advisory. The launch of this month's show coincides with International Women's Day, and we really couldn't think of a better time to explore what it means to be a woman in tech and tech policy with a couple of very special guests. Joining us on the sixth edition of the Tasso Tech Talks podcast to discuss this a little bit further is Chantal Swainston. Chantal is Senior PR Manager at UK fintech company Wise and founder of Women in Fintech Index, The Herd. At The Herd, Chantal does some amazing work profiling and showcasing women and non-binary talent in the fintech industry. We're also joined today by Danny Diman, who is Policy Manager at Trade Technology Association, Tech UK, covering all things data and privacy. Before Tech UK, Danny worked in Vodafone Group's public policy and public affairs team. It's really great to have you both here today. Thank you so much for joining us. So I wanted to kick things off by asking where it all started for you both. Was there a particular moment you knew you wanted to get involved in the world of tech and tech policy or did things unfold a little bit more naturally and organically? Chantelle, I might start with you if that's okay. Yeah, of course. So I very much fell into my role, both in in PR and marketing and I guess in tech and fintech specifically. I did an English degree, which I always joke is famously employable and and sort of therefore gravitated towards marketing um, once I'd completed that. And then I was lucky enough to get an internship at a PR agency in London when I graduated. And anyone who's worked agency side knows it's a real lottery as to what sort of clients you get. But I worked on a client called Black Bullion, um, who some people might be familiar with, might not be. Um, I was very junior, so I wasn't particularly client facing, but um, I really loved the work that they were doing in terms of financial education, using technology to help people understand their finances. And as a former student, very recently, it really spoke to me. So I was lucky enough to get exposed to that one client. And then after that, I was like, this is, I'm pretty sure this is what I want to do. Okay, very nice. And uh, Danny, I'd love to understand what personally drew you into your current role. In particular, were there any role models or mentors or any networks that inspired you to get into the world of tech policy? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me here today. I actually have quite a similar story to Chantelle. So I studied social sciences at university. But, you know, when I graduated, I knew that I wanted to work in the tech industry. Um, I'm part of that generation that grew up with the Internet, computers and iPhones, but also MP3 players, flip phones and wire headphones. So I do feel really old now. Um, But at that point, I, I knew that tech was here to stay. It was a sector that showed a lot of energy, potential, opportunity, excitement and growth. And I was very lucky to be a Londoner. So I knew that I was very much at the heart of it, um, particularly at that point, seeing the rise of the big fintechs like Monzo, Starling and Revolut. So I had the opportunity to work in several organisations as uh, an intern, which gave me a lot of exposure to the UK innovation scene. 
that gave me the opportunity to meet and speak with so many cool founders and startups that were all really inspiring. But where I landed in my role in public affairs, I actually tried a lot of different roles. So I interned um, in a product role, in a marketing role, research, sales, uh, and I just kept trying things until I found something that fit. And that ended up being policy and public affairs. And I'm really lucky that I stuck with it because I've ended up in a role and an organisation that I really enjoy and thrive in. But coming back to your point about networking, mentors, it was definitely that exposure to speaking to so many different businesses and organisations that really made me think that tech was uh, a place to stay. Yeah, this is definitely a common thread through some conversations with with um, fellow uh, women in tech I've had in the past about falling into things a bit more organically, but then also growing to love uh, working in tech and finding it a really important and interesting space. So thank you both. I was reading some pretty interesting and slightly disheartening statistics the other day on diversity and inclusion in UK tech companies. And something that stood out to me in particular was that only 19% of the workforce in tech are women. Chantelle, why do you think that's the case? Oof, 19%. That's actually, I think that's lower than some of the stats I was reading. (laughs) That's that's not great to hear, is it? I think... um, I guess there are there are always there are barriers to entry in tech that start from when women are much younger, I think. And there's a lot of education and improvements within the education system that I think that could be made. I think at the risk of making sweeping generalizations and not having stats in front of me, it's kind of known that women are more likely to be drawn to arts or English or those kind of focuses and maybe less inclined to study maths. That's, that's something that we that we have seen. It's also not super clear what tech careers are available from a young age. And I think there's definitely an education education piece that could be done within that as well. I think a lot of companies, what they, they do struggle with sourcing, you know, when it, when it comes to these DEI figures, being able to find great women that have got the experience and the training that they need for those roles is also a challenge in itself. And so I do think a bigger focus on making sure that um, more women kind of enter the field in the early stages is really key to being able to create better gender equity within tech moving forwards as well. But yeah, 19% is really low. That's, yeah, that's sad to hear. Yeah, kind of shockingly low. And you talked a bit about um, the kind of early stage issues and encouraging women kind of at that early stage of education. We hear things like the gender pay gap and the motherhood penalty also brought up as issues a lot kind of as issues further along in the career trajectory. And these things are discussed quite a lot in the wider context of workplace statistics. Do you think these things are felt more or less acutely in the tech world or is it a common issue throughout for women? It's difficult to say. I think I see it probably more uh, prevalently in the tech world, but that's because I'm in, I work in tech and therefore it's I'm probably more exposed to it. But I think there is you know, that the motherhood penalty is something that actually does, it impacts people from, from all walks of life. And I think we probably need to address it on a grander scale, as well as making sure that we try and fix those problems in tech. I think there was research from University College London from a year or a year or two ago that said, I think women can lose up to 45% of their salary in the six years after they have their first child. And that's kind of regardless of what, what industry you work in. And I think there's a lot of stuff that needs to be addressed in that, whether it's better maternity policies, better paternity policies so that parents can be more balanced, better childcare. We, we know that the government are focusing a lot on the really, really high costs of childcare in the UK at the moment. So there's a huge amount of work to be done that, that can improve that. I think knowing where to start is, is going to be a bit of a challenge, but I, I hope that, that there's going to be some big strides made because they really desperately do need to be made. Definitely. And Danny, just coming to you now, do you think there's any kind of obvious impact of the poor representation of women in the tech sector? 
I think in the last few years, the lack of diversity in tech is something that we are all talking about more, which is really great. We're starting to address the challenges. We're beginning to carve out the opportunities, but we're also acknowledging that we have a really long journey ahead of us. Um, I think the challenge is waiting for the change to take effect and for for more women and diverse individuals to trickle into tech, but more importantly, into trickle into those leadership positions, which links to your question, Mia, like, do we have enough representation? What's the impact? So I think we're in a situation where we're trying to bring diverse candidates into tech, but with not enough role models and mentors. Um, and it means that women, but also particularly women in colour, are having to be those trailblazers and disruptors. And that's extra work. You know, that's not to mention all the other day-to-day challenges that anyone has to face in the workplace. So I think that is the challenge. Um, we really need to have more people in those leadership positions to encourage other women to uh, take careers in tech more seriously and see it as something that's realistic and something worth pursuing. And just to come back to the point that you made previously about falling into tech roles. I think it's really nice to hear that people are falling into tech roles. I think sometimes there's this this pressure that, you know, you're born to realise you're going to be a software engineer or be an entrepreneur. And that's really not how it happens. So many people just fall into careers and figure it out along the way. And so I think that's a really nice, it's nice to hear that we all sort of ended up in tech roles just by stumbling onto it rather than actively pursuing it and seeing it as our, you know, the, the end all and be all. So I just wanted to touch on that too. For sure. And I, I definitely agree with you. I don't think we're going to see change overnight. It's definitely more of a slow process. Um, Danny, I wanted to dig into your experiences a little bit more in the world of policy in particular. I think often the world of policy and public affairs is considered quite macho too. Something I think about a lot is the way Westminster operates, the kind of long and unusual hours, the backroom deals. It's really an environment that could be considered more conducive to traditionally masculine ways of working, I suppose. Um, I know that MP Caroline Noakes, for example, has called this out before as something that is fairly demeaning for women. What do you think the environment is like for women in tech policy in particular and working adjacent to this world? So I have a pretty non-traditional route into public policy and and public affairs. When you look at most people in the UK, they typically have done a stint working in parliament, whereas I kind of took a route going via the corporate of working at Vodafone, which is quite unusual. And now that I'm in a role at Tech UK and I'm working much more closely with Westminster, I do see it as a very challenging environment. And I think had I gone down that parliamentary route, I would have really struggled because of the points you've just raised, Mia. I think working as a woman in tech, particularly focusing on data protection and privacy policy, this is an area of policy that is quite long standing. People have been around for a very long time. They tend to be white men. Um, that was really scary. And here I am at Tech UK trying to think of the tech you know, industry's position on data policy, talking in a room full of men that have been here for a very long time. It was terrifying. It was really scary at the beginning. But I think with time, you, yeah, you know, I suffered from all the really typical things like imposter syndrome, lack of confidence, just not knowing what I was doing, not really knowing where to turn to for help. But I think with time, I just realised that people are much more willing to help and people are much nicer than you think and people are okay with you getting things wrong and it took me a long time to realize that and not be so hard on myself and I think this is going to sound really nerdy but the data protection group is so friendly in in London like everyone really wants you to succeed and everyone essentially just wants to have a chat about data protection and privacy which is really nerdy but I'm now one of those people believe it or not and so I think it was just 
being unafraid to just have a go at things and being okay with maybe getting it wrong and realizing that I think in the world of policy, no one really knows what's going on and everyone's just trying to muddle through it together and figure it out. And once you realize you're part of that journey and your voice is just as important and worthy, you can really start enjoying the job rather than being so afraid of it. And that's something that took me a while and it's something that I'm still working on. But yeah, it's, it's a process, right? Thanks, Danny. And Chantel, Danny mentioned imposter syndrome. Is that is that something that's been common to your experience as well? I know for myself, that's something that's cropped up quite a few times. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, I think especially so having a job that's in tech but isn't techie, if you will. So um, a lot of the time you're dealing with people who really understand the insides of how the company works or how a payment process works or how, you know, they can explain it in their sleep, how an API and open banking is facilitated and at the beginning it can feel quite overwhelming and you think you know do, do do I deserve to be here I don't quite understand this to the same level as as other people in the room but I think one of the things that has helped me is I've been really lucky in my career I've had some really great women bosses and I, I do believe you, it's that classic case of you have to be it to see it and you know they've been more than happy to sit in a room and, and ask the question that I've got in my head like how does this work and and do it really confidently and not in a way that makes you feel like they don't understand it it's just that it you know this is part of the meeting that this should be explained better and so I think I've been I've been quite lucky to have those role models within my career but I do definitely find there's there's always a room that you walk into and you think should I be here you know do, do I know enough have I got enough experience am I the right person for this and I think that continues to happen I think you just have to keep pushing yourself through it and and I think to, to Danny's point, people are really nice and people are more helpful than perhaps you realise and give them credit for. So it's very rarely actually the, the fact that people are thinking these things about you. It, it's all in your head a little bit. Yes, that's very true. And I know we've talked a lot about the positives and we've talked about how mentors and education at an early stage can really help women to feel more encouraged, I suppose, to get into the tech scene. But just to recap on some of those points and to finish on a high note, what do you think in summary we can do to open up the worlds of tech and tech policy to women? And Danny, I might just come back to you. I think one thing that I have really leveraged and I really love is the community of girls working in tech policy. I think it's so lovely going to networking events and meeting new people and being able to share experiences being able to share you know, things that you're working on, exciting projects, but also meeting people who are new to tech. Um, if someone's interested in tech policy, I definitely want to take you for a coffee. I want to you know, link you up to whoever you know, would be interesting to speak to. I want to help you. And I think we all kind of have that responsibility to help each other, but also help people that are looking uh, at tech as, as an option. Fantastic. And Chantal, do you think there's room for employers in particular to be more inclusive and to support women in the workplace? Absolutely. And I think I think we have seen a, a change in the way that employers are, are, are trying to make it a more inclusive you know, workplace, especially in tech. FinTech, which is the space I know the best, there are some really good maternity and paternity leave policies that people have been announcing. We've got things like specific leave for people who are suffering with miscarriages, you know, that these things are starting to be considered. And, and I really do think they will have a good long term impact in making things more inclusive. And I think they are also making more of an effort to try and, and reach uh, women at that younger stage, at that point where they might be starting to think about a career in tech, whether it's talks at universities or internship programs or come in and see how our tech works for a day type sort of situation. So um, I think there's there's a lot of room and I think there's been some significant improvements and I, I hope that we only see more of that. 
great. That all feels really positive. And with that, we're drawing the latest episode of the Tasso Tech Talks podcast to a close. Thank you so much to Chantal and Danny for such an engaging and important conversation. If you're enjoying the podcast, do remember to subscribe wherever you get it and leave us a review to help more people discover the show. If you want to keep up with Tasso Advisory on social media, make sure to search for us on LinkedIn and Twitter. You can also follow me on Twitter at Mia Barceloni and our guests at Chantal GS and Danny underscore Diman. And if you would like to talk to us about your tech policy or policy communications needs, email us at hello at tassoadvisory.com and we'll be more than happy to help. That's all for now. Thanks again for listening and we'll be back again next month with our next episode. Goodbye. Goodbye.